0: Chapter Eight of At the Foot of the Rainbow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by tech savvy At the Foot of the Rainbow by Jean Stratton Porter. Chapter Eight. When the black bass stuck, lots of fish down in the brook. All you need is a rod and a line and a hook. Hummed Jimmy, still lovingly fingering his possessions did danny ever say a thing like that to you before asked mary oh he's dead so explained jimmy he thinks he should have had a chinted rod too and so he had replied mary you said yourself that you might have killed that man if danny hadn't shown you that you were wrong you must think stuff like this is got at the ten-cent store said jimmy oh no i don't said mary i expect it cost three or four dollars three or four dollars sneered jimmy all the sense a woman has feast your eyes on this book and read that just this little reel alone cost fifteen and there's no telling what the rod is worth why it's turned right out of the pure steel same as if it were wood look for yourself thanks no i'm afraid to touch it said mary oh you're sore too laughed Jimmy. With all that money in it, I should sure think you could see why I couldn't want it broke. You've sat there and whipped it around for an hour. Would it break if for me or Danny to do the same thing? If it had been his, you'd have had a worm on it, and been down to the river trying it for him by now. Worm scoffed Jimmy. A worm that's a good one. Idiot you don't fish with worms with a ginted rod. Well, what do you fish with, hummingbirds? No, you fish with— Jimmy stopped, and I Mary dubiously. You fish with a lot of things, he continued. Some of them come in little books, and they look like moths, and some like snake-faders, and some of them are bucktail and bits of tin, painted to look shiny. Once there was a man in town who had a mini made of rubber, and all painted up just like life. There were— hooks on its head and on its back and its belly and its tail so that if a fish snapped at it anywhere it got hooked i should say so exclaimed mary it's no fair way to fish to use more than one hook you might just as well take a net and wade in and seen out the fish as to take a lot of hooks and rake him out well who's going to take a lot of hooks and rake them out I didn't say anybody was. I was just saying it wouldn't be fair to the fish if they did. Course. I wouldn't fish with no rigging like that, when Danny only has one old hook. When we fish for the bass, I won't use but one hook either. All the same, I'm going to have some of those fancy baits. I'm going to get Jim Skeels at the store to order them for me. I know just how you do, said Jimmy, flourishing the rod. You put on your bait, and quite a heavy sinker and you wind it up to the end of the rod and then you stand up in your boat stand up in your boat i wish you'd let me finish or on the bank and you take this little snapper, and you touch the spot on the reel that releases the thread and you give the rod a little toss easy as throwing away chips and off maybe fifty feet your bait hits the water spat and snap goes mister bass and stick goes the hook see what i see is that if you want to fish that way in the wabash you'll have to wait until the dredge goes through and they make a canal out of it for be the time you'd be throwed fifty feet and your fish had run another fifty there just one hundred snags and logs and stumps between you one for every foot of the way It must look pretty on deep water there it can be done right but i bet anything that if you go to the fooling with that on our river danny gets the bass not much danny don't gets the bass said jimmy confidently just you come out there and let me show you how this works now you see i put me sinker on the end of the thread no hook of course for practice and i touch this little spring here and away goes me bait slick as grace mr bass is laying in em base weeds right out there nest the pie-plant bed and the bait strikes the water at the edge see and snap he takes it and sails off slow to swallow it at La leisure here's where i don't pull a morsel just let them rin and swallow it. and when me line is well out and he has me bait all digested Yank. I give him the round up and thin the fun begins he leaps clear of the water and i see his ten pound if he rins from me i give him rope and if he rins too i dig in working me little machine for dear life to take up the thread just before it slacks when he sees me makes a dash back and i just got to release me line and let him go because he'd bust this little silk thread all to thunder if i tried to force him unpleasant to his intentions and so we cape it up until his plum woe out and comes a promidin' up to me boat bank i mean and i scoops him in and that's sport mary that's a man's fishin now watch he's in them bass weeds before the pie plant like i said and i'm here on the bank and i think he's there so i give me little jinted rod a whip and a swing jimmy gave the rod a whip and a swing, and a sinker shot in air struck the limb of an apple tree and wound a dozen times around it. Jimmy said things, and Mary giggled. She also noticed that Danny had stopped work and was standing in the barn door watching intently. Jimmy climbed the tree and wound the line and tried again. I didn't notice that damn apple limb sticking out there, he said. Now you watch right out there among the bass weeds, for instance, the pipe plant. To avoid another limp, Jimmy aimed too low, and the sinker shot under the well platform not ten feet from him. "'Lucky you didn't get fast in the bass weeds," said Mary, as Jimmy reeled in. "'Well, I got to get me range,' explained Jimmy. "'This time!' Jimmy swung too high. The spring slipped from his unaccustomed thumb. The sinker shot about and behind him, and became entangled in the eaves, while yards of the fine silk line flew off the spinning reel and dropped entangled masses at his feet and in an effort to do something jimmy reversed the reel and it wound back on tangles and all until it became completely clogged mary had sat down on the back steps to watch the exhibition now she stood up to laugh and that's just what will happen to you at the river she said why you are fooling with that thing which ain't for rivers and which you don't know beans about handling danny will haul you in the bass and serve you right too mary said jimmy i never stuck ye all me life but if ye don't go in the house and shut up i'll knock the head off ye i wouldn't be advising you to," she said danny is watching you jimmy glanced toward the barn in time to see danny's shaking shoulders as he turned from the door with unexpected patience he firmly closed his lips and went after a ladder by the time he had the sinker loose and the line untangled supper was ready by the time he had mastered the reel and could land the sinker accurately in front of various imaginary beds of bass weeds danny had finished the night work in both stables and gone home but his back door stood open and therefrom there protruded the point of a long heavy cane fish-pole by the light of the lamp on his table danny could be seen working with pincers and a ball of wire i wonder what he thinks he can do said jimmy i suppose he is trying to fix some way to get that fifteen feet more line he needs replied mary when they went to bed the light still burned and the broad shoulders of danny bent over the pole mary had fallen asleep but she was awakened by jimmy slipping from the bed he went to the window and looked toward danny's cabin there he left the bedroom and she could hear him crossing to the back window of the next room then came a smothered laugh and he softly called her she went to him danny's figure stood out clear and strong in the moonlight in his woodyard. his black outline looked unusually powerful in the silvery whiteness surrounding it he held his fishing-pole in both hands and swept a circle about him that would have required considerable space on lake michigan and made a cast toward the barn the line ran out smoothly and evenly And through the gloom, Mary saw Jimmy's figure straighten and his lips close in surprise. Then Danny began taking in line. That process was so slow, Jimmy doubled up and laughed again. Be looking at that, will you? he heaved. What does a darn fool think the black bass will be doing, while he is taking in line on that young windlass? There'd be no room on the river to do that, answered Mary serenely. Danny wouldn't be so foolish as to try. All he wants now is to see if his line will run, and it will. When he gets to the river, he'll swing his bait where he wants it, with his pole, like he always does, and when the bass strikes, he'll give it the extra fifteen feet more line, he said he needed, and then he'll have the pole and line with which he can land it. "'Not on your life he won't,' said Jimmy. He opened the back door and stepped out just as Danny raised the pole again hey you quite raising come out here yelled jimmy i want to get some sleep across the night tinged neither with chagrin nor rancor boomed the big voice of danny believe i have my extra line fixed so it works all right he said awful sorry if i waked you though i was quiet how much did you make off that inquired mary two points answered jimmy found out that danny ain't sore at me any longer than that you are next morning was no sort of angler's weather but the afternoon gave promise of being good fishing by the morrow danny worked about the farms and preparing for the winter jimmy worked with him until mid-afternoon then he hailed a boy passing and they went away together at supper time jimmy had not returned mary came to where danny worked where's jimmy she asked i didn't know said danny he went away a while ago with some boy i didn't notice who and he didn't tell you where he was going no and he didn't take either of his fish poles no mary's lips thinned to a mere line then it's casey's she said and turned away danny was silent presently mary came back if jimmy won't come till morning she asked comes in shape that he can't fish will you go without him tomorrow was the day we agreed on answered danny will you go without him persisted mary what would he do if it were me asked danny what have you ever done to jimmy malone what he would do if he were you is there any reason why ye not want me to land the black bass mary there is no particular reason why i don't want your living with jimmy to make you like him answered mary my temper is being whined, and i can see where it's beginning to show on you whatever you do don't do what he would Dinna be hard on him mary he doesn't think urged danny you never said twelve words He don't think he never thought about anybody in his life except himself and he never will maybe he didn't go to town maybe the sun won't rise in the morning and it will always be dark after this come in and get your supper i'd best pick up something to eat at home said danny i have some good food cooked and it's a pity to be throwing it away what's the use you've done a long day's work more for us than yourself as usual come along and get your supper danny went and as he was washing at the back door jimmy came through the barn and up to walk he was fresh and in fine spirits and wherever he had been it was a sure thing that it was nowhere near casey's where have you been asked mary wonderingly robin graves answered jimmy promptly i needed a few steps in me business so i just went out to five mile and got em what are you going to do with em jimmy chuckled danny use em for base bait now rattle old snake replied jimmy after supper danny went to the barn for the shovel to dig worms for bait and noticed that jimmy's rubber waters hanging on the wall were covered almost to the top with fresh mud and water stains and danny's wonder grew early the next morning they started for the river as usual jimmy led the way he proudly carried his new rod danny followed with the basket of lunch mary had insisted on packing his big cane pole a can of worms and a shovel in case they ran out of bait danny had recovered his temper and was just great-hearted big danny again he talked about the south wind and shivered with the frost and listened for the splash of the bass jimmy had little to say he seemed to be thinking deeply no doubt he felt in his soul that they should settle the question of who landed the bass with the same rods they had used when the contest was proposed, and that was not all. When they came to the temporary bridge, Jimmy started to cross it, and Danny called to him to wait. He was forgetting his worms. I don't want any worms, answered Jimmy briefly. He walked on. Danny stood staring after him, for he did not understand that then he went slowly to his side of the river and deposited his load under a tree where it would be out of the way he laid down his pole took a rude wooden spool of heavy fish cord from his pocket and passed the line through the loop next the handle and so on the length of the rod to the point then he wired on a sharp bass hook and wound the wire far up the double line as he worked he kept an eye on jimmy he was doing practically the same thing but just as Danny had fastened on a light lead to carry his line, a souse in the river opposite attracted his attention. Jimmy hauled from the water a minnow bucket, and opening it, took a live minnow and placed it on his hook. Ready, he called, as he re-sank the bucket and stood on the bank, holding his line in his fingers and watching the minnow play at his feet the fact that danny was a scotchman and unusually slow and patient did not alter the fact that he was just a common human being the lump that arose in his throat was so big and so hard he did not try to swallow it he hurried back into the rainbow bottom the first log he came across he kicked over and growling in the rotten wood and loose earth with his hands he brought up a half dozen bluish white grubs he tore up the ground for the length of the log and then he went to others cramming the worms and dirt with them into his pockets when he had enough he went back and with extreme care placed three of them on his hook he tried to see how jimmy was going to fish but he could not tell so danny decided that he would cast in the morning fish deep at noon and cast again toward evening he rose turned to the river and lifted his rod as he stood looking over the channel and the pool where the bass homed, the kingfisher came rattling down the river, and as if in answer to its cry, the black bass gave a leap that sent the water flying. Ready? cried Danny, swinging his pole over the water. As the word left his lips, whizz! Jimmy Minnow landed in the middle of the circles, widening about the rise of the base. There was a rush and a snap. And Danny saw the jaws of the big fellow close within an inch of the minnow and he swam after it for a yard as Jimmy slowly reeled in Danny waited a second and then softly dropped his grubs on the water just before where he figured that bass would be he could hear Jimmy smothering oats Danny said something himself as he untouched bait near the bank He lifted it swung it out and slowly trailed it in again spat came jimmy's minnow almost at his feet and again the bass leaped for it again he missed as the minnow reeled away the second time danny swung his grubs higher and struck the water spat as the minnow had done snap went the bass one instant the line strained the next the hook came up stripped clean of bait then danny and jimmy really went at it and they were strangers not a word of friendly banter crossed the river they cast until the bass grew suspicious and would not rise to the bait then they fished deep then they cast again if jimmy fell into trouble with his reel danny had the honesty to stop fishing until it worked again but he spent the time burrowing for grubs until his hands resembled the claws of an animal sometimes they sat and still fished sometimes they verily slipped along the bank trailing bait a few inches under water then they would cast and skitter by turns the kingfisher struck his stump and tilted on again his mate and their family of six followed in his lead so that their rattle was almost constant a fussy little red-eyed vireo asked questions first of jimmy and then crossing the river besieged danny but neither of the stern-faced fishermen paid it any heed the blackbirds swung on the rushes and talked over the season as always a few crows cawed about the deep woods and the chewings thrashed among the dry leaves a band of lochs were gathering for migration and the frosty air was vibrant with their calls to each other killdeers were circling about them in flocks a half dozen robins gathered over a wild grapevine and chirped cheerfully as they pecked at the frosted fruit at times the pointed nose of a muskrat wove its way across the river leaving a shiny ripple in its wake in the deep woods squirrels barked and chattered frost loosened crimson leaves came whirling down settling in a bright blanket that covered the water several feet from the bank and the unfortunate bees that had fallen into the river struggled frantically to gain a footing on them water beetles shot over the surface in small shining parties and schools of tiny minnows played along the banks once a black ant assassinated an enemy on danny's shoe by creeping up behind it and puncturing its abdomen noon came and neither of the fishermen spoke or moved from their work the lunch mary had prepared with such care they had forgotten a little after noon, danny got another strike deep fishing mid-afternoon found them still even and patiently fishing then it was not so long until supper time and the air was steadily growing colder the south wind had veered into the west and signs of a black frost were in the air about this time the larks arose as with one accord and with a whir of wings that proved how large the flock was they sailed straight south jimmy hauled his minnow bucket from the river poured the water from it and picked his last minnow a dead one from the grass danny was watching him and rightly guessed that he would fish deep so danny scooped the remaining dirt from his pockets and found three grubs he placed them on his hook lightened his sinker and prepared to skitter once more jimmy dropped his minnow beside the kingfisher stump and let it sink danny hid the water at the base of the stump where it had not been disturbed for a long time a sharp spat with his worms. something seized his bait and was gone danny planted his feet firmly squared his jaws gripped his rod and loosened his line as his eye followed it he saw to his amazement that jimmy's line was sailing off down to the river beside his and heard the real singing danny was soon close to the end of his line he threw his weight into a jerk enough to have torn the head from a fish and down the river the black bass leaped clear of the water doubled and with a mighty shake tried to throw the hook from his mouth got him fast by god screamed jimmy in triumph straight toward them rushed the fish jimmy reeled wildly danny gathered in his line by yard lengths and grasped it with his hand that held the rod near them the bass leaped again and sped back down the river jimmy's reel began to sing louder and his line followed danny's instantly jimmy went wild stop pulling me little silk thread he yelled i've got the black bass hooked fast as a rod and your damn clothes line is sawing across me cut there cut that damn rope quick he's mine i'll land him Roared danny cut yourself and let me get my fish and so it happened that when mary malone tired of waiting for the boys to come and anxious as to the day's outcome slipped down to the wabash to see what they were doing she heard sounds that almost paralyzed her shaking with fear she ran toward the river and paused at a little thicket behind danny jimmy danced and raged on the opposite bank cut he yelled cut that damn cloth and let me bash loose cut your line i say danny stood with his feet planted wide apart and his jaws set he drew his line steadily toward him and jimmy's followed ye see exulted danny you cross me the base is mine reel out your line till i land him if ye don't want it broken if you don't cut your damn line i will raved jimmy cut nothing cried danny let's see it try to touch it into the river went jimmy splash went danny from his bank he was nearer the tangled lines but the water was deepest on his side and the mud of the bed held his feet jimmy reached the cross line a knife in hand by the time danny was there will you cut cried jimmy nah bellowed danny i've given up every damn thing to ye all my life but i will no give up the black bass. he's mine and i'll land him jimmy made a lunge for the lines danny swung his pole backward drawing them his way jimmy slashed again danny dropped his pole and without a sweep caught the twisted lines in his fingers no let's see ye cut my line babby he jeered jimmy's fist flew straight and the blood streamed from danny's nose danny dropped the lines and straightened you he painted you and no other words came if jimmy had been possessed of any small particle of reason he lost it at the sight of blood on danny's face you're a damn fish thief he screamed you lie breathed danny but his hand did not lift you are a coward you're afraid to strike like a man hit me you don't dare hit me ye lie repeated danny you're a dog painted jimmy i've used you to wait on me all me life that's the god's truth cried danny but he made no movement to strike jimmy leaned forward with a distorted insane face that time you sent me to marry for you i lied to her and married her myself now will you fight like a man Danny made a spring, and Jimmy crumpled up in his grasp. "'No! I will choke the miserable tongue out of your head, and twist the head of your body, and tear the body to mincemeat,' raved Danny, and he promptly began the job. With one awful effort, Jimmy tore the gripping hands from his throat a little. "'Lie!' he gasped. "'It's all a lie!' "'It's the truth! Before God, it's the truth!' Mary Malone tried to scream behind him. "'It's the truth!' it's the truth and her ears told her that she was making no sound as with dry lips she mouthed it over and over and then she fainted and sank down in the bushes danny's hands relaxed a little and he lifted the weight of jimmy's body by his throat and sent him on his feet i give you just any chance he said is that the truth jimmy's awful eyes were bulging from his head His hands were clawing on his throat, and his swollen lips repeated it over and over as breath came. It's a lie! It's a lie! I think so myself, said Danny. Ye never would have dared. Ye have known that I'd find you some day, and on that day I'd kill ye as I would a copperhead. A lie, painted Jimmy. Then why did ye tell it? And Danny's fingers threatened to renew their grip. I thought if I could make you strike back, gasped Jimmy, my hitting you wouldn't seem so bad then Danny's hands relaxed, oh Jimmy, Jimmy, he cried, was there ever any other man like ye? Then he remembered the cause of the trouble, but I'm everlastingly damned, Danny went on if i'll give up the black bass to ye unless it's on your line get yourself up there on your bank the shove he gave jimmy almost upset him and jimmy waited back and as he climbed the bank danny was behind him after him he dragged a tangled mass of lines and poles and at the last of the bank and on the grass two big fish one the great black base of horse-shoe bend and the other nearly as large a channel catfish undoubtedly one of those which had escaped in the wabash in an overflow of the selena reservoir that spring no i'll cut said danny keep your eyes on me sharp see me cut my line at the end of the pole he snipped the line in two no watch he cautioned i didn't want contradiction about this he picked up the base and taking the line by which it was fast at its mouth he slowly drew it through his fingers the very silk line slipped away and the heavy cord whipped out free is this my line asked danny holding it up jimmy nodded is the black base my fish speak up cried danny dangling the fish from the line it's yours admitted jimmy then i'll be damned if i didn't want to do what i please my own cried danny with trembling fingers he extracted the hook and dropped it he took the gasping big fish in both hands and tested its weight almost six he said michty near six and he tossed the black base back in the wabash then he stopped and gathered up his pole and line with one foot he kicked the catfish the tangled silk line and the jointed rod toward jimmy take your fish he said he turned and plunged into the river recrossed as it he came gathered up the dinner-pail and shovel, past mary malone a tumble heap in the bushes and started toward his cabin the black bay struck the water with a splash and sank to the mud to the bottom where he lay joyfully soaking his dry gills parched tongue and glazed eyes he scooped water with his tail and poured it over his torn jaw and then he said to his progeny, "Children, let this be a warning to you: never rise to put one grub at a time. Three is too good to be true. There is always a stinger in their midst." And the black bass ruefully shook his sore head and scooped more water. End of chapter eight. Recording by TechSavvy. www.techsavvy.wordpress.com.